Good morning, Brown Corners. So happy to see you. Good to see you, Butch. <laughs> well, if you're willing and ready, I encourage you to stand with us as Jen reads our call to worship this morning. Our call to worship this morning is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at, every, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
one more time. And I don't know if you're like me, but it's sometimes really hard to think that God would leave. Because to us, that just doesn't make sense. Farmers and uh, livestock people understand how reckless that really can be when you've got a sure thing of 99 over here and you've got one over here that's lost. And possibly that one that's lost is the one that's caused you more trouble, more pain, more complications, but yet you're willing to put all that aside to go after that one. I don't know how that hits you this morning, but the love of the Father is so great that I know we can't put into words, we can't put into feelings, but as we sing that again, put yourself in that lost sheep's place. We've all been there. Or you might still be the one that's going to be there sometimes. song it's called a christ alone um in hunter's newsletter this week he referenced it and he thought it was written a long long time ago but it was actually written in 2001 um but i know in my house there's been a little anxiety about what's been going on in the world and the one thing i told my kids was our hope is in christ and no matter what happens if we love him and we believe in him that's all that matters that's where our hope lies and so as we sing this song, let's proclaim this over our world, over our lives, and just really um, put our hope where it belongs, and that's in Jesus Christ.
storm surround let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me be still every way at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble You make the darkness tremble. 
Heavenly Father, we've come to you today and we have lifted up the name of Jesus in song. And these words are not meaningless words. These words are not empty words. We recognize that in Christ and in Christ alone, we find our rest, we find our hope, we find our peace, we find our life, we find righteousness cannot be attained through any amount of effort. Heavenly Father, reveal to us ways in which we still are trying to earn your favor, to earn your affection, to be worthy. May we live in a way that understands and recognizes that all, all we have, all our hope, all our strength, all of our Everything rests in you and in you alone. And it flows from Jesus and what he's done upon the cross and then rising again from the grave, defeating and conquering death. We gather here this morning, not as those who are without hope, but as those who are filled with hope. Heavenly Father, we believe that your word is living and active and powerful tell us it's, it's able to pierce even the deepest parts of our hearts and souls. And we pray that you, through the work of your Holy Spirit, would do just that this morning. Pierce our hearts and souls. Bring, bring the word in a way that would, would apply, the Spirit would apply in a, in a way that, that meets us right where we are here today. Not necessarily what we want to hear, but what we need to hear, God. Thank you for your spirit who dwells within your people to awaken these truths. Give us grace and strength to apply them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's great to be here. It's great to worship together with you this morning. Um, and before we, we're, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, so if you want to find your way there in the scriptures, I'd love for you to read along here in just a moment. But before we do, there are just a couple things uh, that we want to do. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all of those who helped with the, um, the funeral in some way this week for Tammy Reinierson, um, for those who were helping set up and tear down and get the food around, and then for, for those guys who were out there clearing that, uh, the ice, the uh, helping kind of make that ice rink a little bit more safe out there. Our salt spreader spread, uh, broke down, so we had guys in the back of the truck just tossing salt out by hand and just in that, in that freezing cold weather, just serving the Lord uh, humbly behind the scenes to make it safe for folks to get in and out. So I just want to thank you personally, and we, just, we really appreciate uh, your willingness to serve in that way and, and really bless that family. Um, secondly, I would like us to take just a few moments and... Um, and pray for our brothers and sisters uh, in Europe and Ukraine this morning. You know, so often, I, as an American, it's easy for me to get wrapped up in my own stuff and in our, in our own stuff. And it's easy to forget the, the plight of our brothers and sisters around the world. I know I don't do a good enough job of keeping in mind. I mean, every, every day we have brothers and sisters in different countries, whether it's Afghanistan or China or North Korea, who are, who are meeting and in, in, uh, hiding uh, who are going through trials that we can't even fathom, that we've never even bumped into in any way, shape, or form. 
and, um, and not just for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, but for, for those who are there under assault. And I, I just want to just take a moment for us to, to pray for them. And I don't know if, how well you can see it, but we, we threw a few prayer requests up on the screen. Um, but what I'd like to do is just uh, open it up for anybody who'd like to pray right where you are. Um, and we'll just kind of bow our heads together and just take a few moments. You can uh, pray for something on the screen, pray for something in your heart. But we just want to join together and pray uh, for those who are, who are just going through this suffering and this time of uncertainty. And after a few of you get a chance to pray, then I'll just uh, pray for us one more time before we go into God's word. So let's just take a minute and, and bow in prayer for uh, Ukraine. everything that they need in this time of, of desperation, Father. Pray that your spirit would go ahead of them and you would pour it out on them, your people. Father, we ask that you would give relief to the Ukrainian people and 
relief from their suffering, relief from the attacks. We ask, Father, that you would help us as believers, forgive us for being self-centered in so many ways that we're not consciously aware of, of the sufferings of our brothers and sisters around the world. May we, we have an, uh, eyes that look more outward rather than inward. And Father, I want to ask that you would just strengthen those uh, churches that are gathering together today, those pastors who are uh, preaching your word and believers who are gathering together to worship, wondering um, what, what uh, the day will bring. And with all those uncertainties, Lord, be near to them. Bring them protection and safety and, and strength and encouragement. And, and Father, um, we, we just want to ask that you would would especially protect uh, just those heavy on our hearts. Many of us are familiar with missionaries or know people who are over there. And, um, Lord, I pray for a Will and Phyllis, our friends that have been missionaries there for years and years, deciding to stay there because that's home. Uh, Lord, would you, uh, would you just protect them and allow them to have a, a unique testimony uh, among uh, Ukrainians and Russians, whatever it, whatever it looks like, God. Um, we... Um, we cry out for justice. We cry out for the, the day that you return and bring peace upon this world. And there, there's no more death, no more destruction, no more suffering. Oh, Lord God, um, please intervene. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of today's message is Our Story. And we bring this series to a conclusion this week as we've been thinking about uh, the, the story of God and what it looks like for us to live our stories in the, the grand story of God's unfolding redemptive plan. And as we live out our stories with one another, um, it, it really truly becomes our story as a, as a group, as a gathered people here, as God's church, as we live life together, we begin to carve out our story, not just a bunch of individual stories, a bunch of individual islands lives lived out in isolation, but it's life lived together in fellowship with one another. And in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, there's a beautiful passage here that gives us a little bit of insight as to what that looks like and how God calls us to live life together in, in, this, in this community, this vulnerable community that we've been talking about. And he says there, in beginning in verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching." As we think about a vulnerable community, living together as a vulnerable community, there's a couple of things here that I think are important for us to see. First of all, it's a considerate community. It's a considerate community. He says in verse 24, let us consider one another. 
The the word there means to give careful attention to some matter, to, to look at something reflectively, to contemplate. He says, I want you to consider, to take some time to reflect on and think about deeply one another. That, that does fly in the face of our individualism. Our lives are so busy and we, we can get wrapped up in the things that we have going on and our schedule this week and, and all the things that I need. And, and we forget to look around us. Do you know somebody, and again, don't point at anybody or even raise your own hand, but you know somebody who's like perpetually oblivious to things around them? Like everything could be just happening. There could be a, a the house could be on fire and they could still be uh, scrolling through their Facebook feed. Like they're just not, not aware, not paying attention. Well, so often as Christians, that's, that's us in this life. We, we get so preoccupied in things. And again, it could be even important things, going to work and providing for our family or or taking care of our children, uh, uh, what have you. There, there could be these important things, but we're not aware of the needs of God's people around us, and even beyond that, of those who are lost and without Christ. He tells us here to consider one another. This means that we're taking time out to intentionally think about, think about how we can invest in the lives of those around us. It's, it's strategic planning. How many areas of your life are, are you good about that in? And, and maybe, maybe you're not good at it at all, but, but you know, you think about maybe your, your retirement plan and your finances, and you sit down and you carve out a budget, or you think about how many more years you're going to have to work in order to be able to retire, or what have you. Like, so there's so many areas of our life where we think strategically and we'll plan them out, but so often we don't do that when it comes to living with one another. He says, let's consider each other. Let's deeply think about one another. Let's look carefully at how we can meet each other's needs, being sensitive to the people that God has placed in our life. For some of us, it's, it's just this simple, like, our, our head's somewhere else, and we need to ask God to awaken our hearts to be sensitive to people around us. For others, <laughs> this neglect is plain selfishness, and we, we need to repent. Whatever it is, God calls us to consider one another. If we're to live life in vulnerable community, we need to consider one another. This also, secondly, is a provoking community. Look at the, um, look at the, the, the verse 24 here. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. That translation really captures the meaning of this, this word. What do some of your other translations say? Not provoke, but what, what are some of your other translations read? Stir up. Spur. Yeah, that, that's the idea here. That, but the word really does, at its heart, have this idea. In fact, it's often used negatively in the, uh, in the, in the Scripture uh, to speak of somebody picking a fight. Or to start up a strong disagreement. That's, that's what the word is. The word is, is someone uh, who's, who's a, who, who is often used as someone who's a troublemaker. Um, again, no show of hands necessary. But if you grew up in a home of more than one child, one of you was the provoker. There was always, there's always a kid. And I, I know who it is in my household. And I'm not going to throw them under the bus or anything like that. And I know who it was when I was growing up with four of us boys in the household. I won't throw him under the bus either. But there's always an agitator, right? 
Somebody who's like, poke, poke, poke. And then finally, you snap and you, you, you know, throw them, throw them to the ground. You get in a and, 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 and then mom inevitably walks in while you're pounding that sibling. And you're like, but, but, but. <laughs> and they have that little smirk on their face as you're hauled off to parental jail, whatever that's going to look like in your home. And you're like, you little rascal, you knew how to push my buttons and you got it going. Well, here, this is, is using that normally negative word, but in a good way. He says, I want you to provoke one another, not like maybe with your siblings, but provoke one another to love and to good works. What does that look like? What does that look like in the body of Christ for us to provoke, stir up, spur one another to be more loving and to do more good works. Think about that. If you're taking notes, just, just kind of circle this one because I want you to come back to it this week and reflect on this because this is, this is really where the rubber meets the road. This is, this is practicing the one another's of the New Testament as we live life together. What would it look like, just number one, for you, for you to stir up the people in your own home? Your spouse, your kids, what is how do you stir them up to be more loving with one another? How do you, how do you stir up somebody to, to live a life of good works? Maybe it's through testimony. Just share something that God has been doing in your life or that God laid on your heart to do for somebody. I'll tell you what. When you grow up in a, in a home environment around people who are serving, who are loving sacrificially, and you see it with your own two eyes, it's not necessarily being preached, it's just being lived out and practiced. That means a lot. When I, when I saw some of our church members here uh, at 10 o'clock at night, the night before the funeral, chiseling away at the ice, you can't, you can't see that and just be like, huh. Like, it does something in your heart. You think, wow, what sacrifice. I know that they've worked all day long. They have a family at home, but they, they, they saw a need, and they're here serving. That, that idea of example is a great way to stir up love and good works. Sharing the scriptures with one another. Sharing what God is doing in your soul, that, that stirs one another up. Take some time this week to jot some others down for yourself. How could I provoke somebody? Not to a fight, but how could I provoke somebody this week to love better, to serve more faithfully, to long to do good works for the glory of God? What a great question. A vulnerable community, thirdly, is, is a gathered community. It's a gathering community. Verse 25 says, in a subordinate phrase here in the same sentence, he says, not neglecting to gather together 
as some are in the habit of doing. The very definition of church is a gathering. It's a coming together of God's people. Apparently, in, in the time this book was written here, the, in the, the context, there were some who were abandoning the gathering for worship. Hebrews 13.5 told them that God would never leave or forsake them, but they were forsaking others and gathering together with others. We don't really know why. Perhaps they'd been discouraged through persecution. Maybe it was the delay of the second coming. Perhaps there was ties to the Jewish synagogue. This is a very heavily uh, Old Testament-rooted book. He's probably speaking to a lot of Jewish people. Maybe it was apathy. We really don't know. But The word here is a strong one. It's the idea of abandoning or forsaking someone. It's the, it's the word that Jesus would use on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the writer of Hebrews says, don't do that when it comes to gathering with God's people. Don't treat it as an optional add-on to the Christian life. Don't treat it as a, a filler for Sunday morning We, the language here is very clear. We're not to give up on or abandon physically gathering with God's people. For the first Christian, for the early Christians, it was, it was implied that they would gather. When we studied 1 Corinthians 11, we looked at this verse. But he says in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, 18, when you come together. Like the idea was that you're doing it. It's just, it's just normal. Like you're supposed to be together. Acts 2, 42 says that they, the early Christians devoted themselves to fellowship. So often, the gathering of God's people is not a priority for God's people. And I think it could be a, a symptom of the age. You know, we've never been more connected, yet so alone. We've got social media, we've got texting, we've got so many ways to find out how one another are doing without actually entering into one another's lives and being with, physically with one another. In her book, Alone Together, Sherry Turkle writes this, Children have already, already always competed for their parents' attention, but in this generation they've experienced something new. Previously, children had to deal with parents being off to work, friends or with each other. Today, children contend with parents who are physically close, tantalizingly so, but mentally elsewhere. Whether it's on their phone or on their computer or in front of the TV. And that's translated to the church. We've, we've often been near each other, but not with one another. Truly present with one another. And this pandemic over the last couple of years has only exacerbated the problem. We have what we call now virtual church. But as Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman point out, vir virtual church is an oxymoron. The word church means gathered together physically, not behind screens scattered around. And I love what they write here. They said, think about it. Maybe you struggle with hidden hatred toward a brother all week, but then his presence at the Lord ta Lord's table draws you to conviction and confession. Or you struggle with suspicion toward a sister, but 
Then you see her singing the same songs of praise and your heart warms. You struggle with anxiety over what's happening politically in our nation. Then the pastor declares Christ's coming and victory and vindication. And you hear shouts of amen all around you and recall that you recall that you're a, a heavenly citizen and you belong to this citizenry allied in hope. You're tempted to keep your struggles in the dark, but then that older couple's tender but pressing question over lunch. No, how are you really doing as they look you in the eye, draws you out into the light? None of this can be experienced virtually. God made us physical and relational creatures. The Christian life and the church life cannot finally be downloaded. It must not only be watched and heard, but stepped into and followed and engaged with. Paul therefore exhorted Timothy to watch his life and doctrine, since both would be crucial to saving himself and his hearers. My brothers and sisters, I, I know that probably the, the ones most needing to hear this aren't hearing this right now, but yet we need to keep this tucked in our back pocket for those times when we're tempted to pull away from the community. The, the, the church, read your church history, read the church fathers and read those down through the centuries. The church has never been able to be, it's never been seen theologically as something that can exist with people scattered and doing things on their own. Like a relationship with Jesus has always been understood by God's people as existing in community with God's people. Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Fourthly, a vulnerable community is an encouraging community. It's an encouraging community. And, and he says, as you gather together, he says, encourage one another. It's in an active Tense here, a voice that indicates that it should be an ongoing. Don't just say something nice, but be someone who's pouring in words of encouragement. It's a delight to be around an encourager. Some of you have them in your life, and they bless you. They know how to, how to stir your heart. They know the right words to use. I'm not talking about pouring out fluff and meaningless Empty phrases. We've all met somebody like that. We see through that and it's, it's, it's not effective. It's not what he's talking about here. But truly building one another up. This isn't ignoring faults. It's not ignoring sin. But it's being someone who encourages you in the Lord. I read a story this week of the journalist Robert Maynard. He tells this story. He says, as a young boy, he was walking to school one day in the city and he came upon an irresistible temptation, irresistible for any young boy. In front of him was a fresh piece of poured concrete, still wet. It was there to replace a broken piece of sidewalk. And so as any young boy would do, he stops and began to scratch his, scratch his name in the wet pavement. Suddenly he, aware, he became aware that standing over him with a garbage can lid was the biggest stone mason he'd ever seen. Maynard tried to run, but the big man grabbed him and shouted, Why are you trying to spoil my work? Maynard remembers babbling something about just wanting to put his name on the ground. And then he says a remarkable thing happened at that moment. The mason released the boy's arms, his voice softened, and his eyes lost their fire. 
Instead, there's now a touch of warmth about the man. He said, what's your name, son? Robert Maynard. Well, Robert Maynard, the sidewalk is no place for your name. If you want your name on something, you go to, into that school, you work hard, you become a lawyer, and you hang out your shingle for all the world to see. Tears came into Maynard's eyes, but the mason was not finished yet. What do you want to be when you grow up? A writer, I think. And now the mason's voice burst forth into tones that could be heard all over the schoolyard. A writer? A writer? Be a writer. Be a real writer. Have your names on books, not on the sidewalk. Robert Maynard continued to cross the street, paused and looked back. The mason was on his knees, repairing the damage that Maynard's scratching had done. He looked up and saw the young boy watching and repeated, Be a writer. Listen, we all know how to come down on somebody. We all know how to correct and how to shame and how to let somebody have it. We don't have to be taught that. For many of us, that was just life growing up. That's what we heard. It's easy to say, knock it off. It's easy to say, what are you thinking? But it's a little less to say, what's really going on here? What, what, what's, what's happening in your heart right now? You were, you were pretty sharp with me this morning, and I, I understand that we all have stuff going on. Can, can I, is there something I can pray for you for? Rather than lashing out, rather, rather than refusing to pass up an opportunity to give somebody what we think they have coming to them, let's be people who build up. Once again, I'm not saying let's ignore sin. It's never okay. But let's err on the side of grace. Let's be people who build up and encourage with our words and not tear down. And then finally... The writer says that this is a, a hopeful community, a vulnerable community, a community of God's gathered people living their stories in vulnerability and, and fellowship with one another. It's a hopeful community. And so he says, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He, he finishes this section with putting our eyes upon the return of Jesus. And says, our encouraging and our building up and our strengthening each other with our words, it should only increase as we get closer and closer to Jesus' second coming. A vulnerable community gather, gathering to participate in the story of God will not always represent him well. We will get it wrong sometimes. We will hurt one another. But when we gather together to worship, we're foreshadowing that time when we will join countless Myriads and myriads of others from every tribe and tongue and people and nation to gather around the throne of the Lamb and fall down in worship. When we gather together and break bread, we look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb that we will one day celebrate with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we come together and reflect upon the triune God through his word, we look forward to a time when we shall see him in all his glory and know him in all his perfections. When we enjoy spiritually intimate friendships and conversations one with another, we get just a taste, just a taste of the undiluted familial unity we will experience throughout all eternity with our fellow adopted brothers and sisters. And that's why now... Right now, we take the opportunity 
to look forward to that hope. It's not a life of our head being in the clouds, ignoring the realities of life on earth. Rather, it's, it's, a, it's a future hope that governs and directs our, our current worship and relationships. It's a constant pointing each other to hope. You know something I've been more and more convinced lately is that Satan specifically targets hope. He loves to steal hope. He loves to rip hope out of our lives. Because he he can get us distracted, he can get us down and discouraged and living in the moment. If he can take our eyes off the future hope and, and how we can live in the present with that future hope, he has won a great victory. Let's not let him gain ground in this battle. Let us fix our eyes on hope. I love, as we were singing in Christ alone, I love that phrase. He says, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. Till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ I'll stand. That that hope that we have gives us courage and strength to live in the power of Christ here in the presence. It's a hopeful community. But in the end, how do we do all this? What's the source? I completely skipped over verses 19 through 23 that are the power, the underlying strength for us to be able to live as as redeemed sinners in this community. We can't just muster up the willpower and say, okay, I'm going to be more encouraging this week, doggone it. I am, I am going to endeavor to be more hopeful. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I don't stop gathering, or I'm going, to, I'm going to be that kind of person who provokes somebody else to love and good works. But at the end of the day, it has to come back to Jesus and what he has done for us, and how he is empowering and equipping and strengthening us to be able to live this way. These verses tell us that it's because of, in verse 19 we're told, because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter into the sanctuary. We can come right into his presence. And so number one, we can ask for strength to be able to live in this, this vulnerable community in the way that the writer of Hebrews has told us to live it. And it says, that we can now draw near, verse 22, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. You see, because Jesus has paved the way, because he went to the cross and took our sins, he took all of our desire to be alone, to to do things by ourselves, to be self-centered and wrapped up in my selfish pursuits. He paid for that. He died So I don't have to be a self-centered jerk. I can live with abandon among God's people because he set me free from that sin. So the writer of Hebrews says, I want you to hold fast to that confession of hope. Cling to the cross of Jesus Christ. 
You have trusted him as your Lord and Savior. I pray. I pray that you have. And if you haven't, let's make that today. I pray that you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior and you cling to that confession, that hope. And by fixing our eyes on Jesus, we can live this life of community together, this, this looking forward to his return type of a hopeful community. May that be true of us. We're going to bow for a, a time of prayer here. And as I do so, I want to just invite uh, some of our elders and uh, just some of our prayer warriors to just come on up and 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 if um, and if you have something that's on your heart that you want to pray with somebody for if you if you want to know more about what it means to to be changed through the the finished work of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ we would love to pray with you and as we think about what it looks like to be this kind of community and to live our story with one another um, I pray that that God will stir our hearts to know how we can be more encouraging with one another, how we can be more hopeful with one another, how we can provoke one another and be faithful uh, during this time that God has called us together on this earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I believe your word teaches that each of us have our own unique gifts, our own unique callings. And, and you've, you've brought us together from all these backgrounds into this local body here, and you've called us to, to live life together. You've called us into community, and true community is a, is a community that's, that's vulnerable. It's the kind of community where we're able to walk up to somebody my precious sister did this morning and to look one another in our eye in each other's eyes and say how you doing this morning how how are you really doing to care enough to ask and then to be courageous enough to respond in honesty god i pray that brown corners is the kind of church that models and lives out this kind of vulnerable community God, may we not be here this morning simply because we feel like we have to. Simply because it's tradition. Simply because we, we like to sing or we like the coffee. or God, we're, we're here as a gathered community because we can't, we can't do this alone. We need one another. You've designed it that way. You've designed us to be dependent people. Not independent, but dependent people. Dependent first and foremost on you. We come and we cast ourselves before you knowing that we are sinners desperately in need of Jesus. And every day, come back to Jesus and know that we need you. You also set this up so that we need one another. And as we come together and experience, the, experience baptism, as we experience the Lord's table, as we worship with one another, as we proclaim the, the crucified and risen Savior, our eyes are drawn to the hope that one day 
we will get to do this in all of its perfection, set free from all of the, the sinful inclinations and hang-ups and add-ons and just freely worship the Lamb in perfect unity and communion. Until that day, God, we want to be a place that lives and worships in such a way that we, we take one more step toward heaven each and every day toward that pure and, and worship that's just free of, free of sin. God, may we be the kind of community you've called us to. Give us grace this week as we, as we try. We know we're going to mess up. We know we're going to get things wrong, but fall upon your grace. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. May God bless you as you be the church this week.